If you would turn to our scripture reading in Matthew chapter 6. Congratulations again, Seth and Grace, and you're a little new Canadian there. Familiar passage, beginning at verse 25, Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'll turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let's pray together. Father, as we open your word together, we ask that you would visit us in the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us understanding and peace in our hearts. And we live in troubled days, and so we ask for this, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Beginning at verse 4, just a few verses here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, Charlene and I thank you for your 
prayers and your notes of concern over these last months. The Lord has entrusted to us a great deal, and at times uh, it does seem to be overwhelming. Verse 6, you'll notice, says, Do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious means to be careworn, to be extremely worried. It sort of has the idea of your mind is racing. It's to be pulled in different directions to feel that, that way. Do not be anxious about anything. The flashing lights in the rear view mirror filled me instantly with anxiety. Charlene and I were traveling to our parents this summer and we got off in Cambridge to visit a Walmart there and immediately we found ourselves on a roundabout. It wasn't like the one up at Mendelman in Lakeshore. This roundabout had, I don't know, four or five lanes to it. And very quickly, I felt like I was trapped. I was filled with anxiety. And then the flashing lights behind me. I pulled over on the roundabout. I hear you don't do that either, but I did. Um, the police officer came up to my window and he said I had failed to yield. And I explained I wasn't from the area and I, I, I promised I would watch a YouTube video on how to do this. And he let me off with a warning. Having a police officer behind you causes a great deal of anxiety, as do large roundabouts. Do not be anxious about anything. How is that possible, Lord? There's so much to be anxious about. There's so many worries to consume our thoughts and to fill our minds and our brains with. Marcus Sayer from Barner Research says that Anxiety is one of the central aspects of young people around the world. Young people are naming anxiety as one of their, their greatest feelings. With all the decisions that they have and the pressures and the uncertainties and, and the state of our world, the political winds, the economy, wars and rumors of wars. And, and perhaps this morning here, you have anxiety, perhaps about your marriage or your, your job or your health or your relationships or your finances. I mean, there's so many things. And round and round we go on that anxiety roundabout feeling like we're being chased down by flashing lights. And our minds fill with what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? Or, or why is this happening? Or why will that happen? And, 
And everything seems like a catastrophe. Everything feels like, like there is impending doom in front of us. That's anxiety. And yet the scripture says, do not be anxious about anything. I am more prone to be anxious about everything. We live in a world where we know what is happening everywhere, right now. And it's overwhelming. Kevin Shear in his book, Truly Human, says we have become fixated and we're constantly, constantly anxious about what could happen. Henry Newman says that we want control to predict our life and we have a profound loss of security and control. And he says that just produces such anxiety in us. Douglas Murray in his book, The Madness of Crowds, say, is it surprising that studies show an increase in anxiety and depression and mental illness? It's perfectly reasonable, he says, in a society of endless problems with no answers. Tyler Stanton in his book, Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools, says, anxiety is the soundtrack that is being played at all times in our life. It's just humming below the surface like bad elevator music. And this is a signal that something's very wrong with our world and, and we feel we can't do anything about it. Verse six says, do not be anxious about anything. How? How do we do that? How do we get out of our heads? How do we stop the, the what ifs and that feeling of impending disaster or the panic attacks or the racing mind that keeps you from sleeping at night? He gives us three seemingly impossible commands here. He begins in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says it again, again, I will say, Rejoice. That word rejoice occurs some six times in the book of Philippians. It's, it's, it's a theme of the book, it, it's an emphatic command. It means uh, don't rejoice in your problems, but rejoice in the Lord in a present continual sense right now in the Lord, what he's doing, what he's done. In the midst of all the negative circumstances you might be going through in, our, in your life, in your world, and to rejoice in the world, but how do, can I rejoice in the Lord when I'm not sure I can get through the day? How do I rejoice in the Lord when things seem to be falling apart? And I'm back on the roundabout once again. And then he says in verse four, let, in verse five, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. I might say gentleness in your translation. To be gracious and forbearing and 
that is to behave in a certain way in the midst of anxiety that does no damage to your testimony in the Lord. It's to communicate to those around you a peaceful presence in the midst of chaos. I mean, people in our world need that. They need people around them that have a peaceful presence. But you know, it's like, look, I, I, I read this and I'm like, really? When we're on those roundabouts of anxiety and stress and it's building, we're, we're prone to blow, we're pr- prone to explode, to, to, to let it all out. We're, we're prone to, to vent because the barrel is full or the tank is overflowing and it's more likely I'm going to put the pedal down and cut off some people and not have a very good testimony. And the third emphatic command, he says, in verse 6, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. All different words for prayer in this statement. That word thanksgiving means gratitude, that gratitude to God, fundamentally a human thing is to be grateful to God. We know instead of worrying, we should be praying and not demanding of God, not dictating to God, not ordering God how it should be, but requesting of God and grateful to God rather than resentful of the circumstances we find ourselves in. Wesley said, praying is the surest evidence of a soul that is free from anxiety. But I know myself, I often don't feel grateful for the trials and challenges. And it's hard sometimes to, to see what to be grateful for. Instead of saying, thank you, God, I, I'm more prone to ask God, why are you piling things on? Why are you letting me go through this. Why don't you do something about this? So, so we have a, quite a conundrum here. We have quite a problem. When, when anxiety courses through our veins, we don't really feel like rejoicing. And we don't really feel like being reasonable. And we don't really feel like being grateful. You might feel you can hardly function when you're on the roundabout and the lights are flashing. And every time you look, it's like they're adding a new lane. How do I get off? What can be done? How do we get off? Well, there's one thing. There's one thing in our passage. There's one thing that sort of is unexpectedly inserted within all of these emphatic statements. One needful thing, one, one bowl of chicken soup for anxiety. He says it in verse five. The Lord is at 
hand. Literally, that is, the Lord is near. It's an unexpected phrase. And Paul is not referring to the return of the Lord. He's referring to the spatial nearness of God. That God is close by. He's as close as your hand. He's very, very close. And and this is a constant theme throughout Scripture for those who are believers and those who are His. He says the Psalms are filled with statements like, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. He's near. And what that means is he's, He loves. It, 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 it euphemistically means all sorts of wonderful things like He is in control and He cares and He comforts and He loves and he, He's guiding and shepherding when we don't even feel like it. The Lord is near. And we can get out of our heads and focus on the great head of the church, Jesus Christ, who the scripture says never leaves us or forsakes us. And this is really how we stop the what-ifs and the feelings of impending disaster and the panic attacks and the, the racing minds. We call out to Jesus because he's not far from any of us. And in him we live and move and have our being. I mean, this is how we came to know him as we repented of our sins and put our trust in his saving work on the cross. Ephesians 2 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You're near now to God. And it's been accomplished. That nearness is, is dearly bought for us. The blood of Christ has, has made this possible. I don't know how people who are not believers get through the things in their lives. The, thing, the answer is they don't. And as we look at our culture and our society, and the upheavals and the mess, it's so many broken lives and broken people and, and they have no one. They, they, they've forgotten God. We haven't and we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. God is near. And he understands. I mean, Jesus suffered. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And we follow an unchanging God who offers us a joyous faith and a peace that is beyond the understanding of people around us. Look at where he takes us there, doesn't he, in verse 7. And the peace of God, he says, which surpasses all understanding. Don't even try to figure this out. <laughs> it's, it's that you, can, you can have peace. 
not anxiety. We'll guard your hearts. It's interesting. He's talking peace, but he's using a military metaphor here when he talks about guarding your heart. That's, that's a military word. And that our, our heart and our minds, that's our whole being is being protected by the peace of God. And our fellow citizens and fellow Canadians, their anxiety is being fed by so many things. Believing they can change things. They believe what the world tells them. They believe they can make progress in their life without God. That they can control, that they can fashion, that they can believe in themselves. And they have this deep root of anxiety as they reject God and as they forget God. And we should, you and I of all people, should never forget God when we're again on the roundabout, again. We can be forgetful. God is near. And that allows us then to be with a whole new perspective, to be able to rejoice in the Lord and behave in a certain way and and it allows us to pray with gratitude because he's near to us. Rather than being overwhelmed by anxiety, the anxiety is dissipated. The anxiety drains away. God is near. God is near. Jesus is with us. Jesus is near us. And he will never leave us. And it's the only way we can get through some of, uh, get through the challenges that are entrusted to us. Is that he sees and he knows and he hears. He's involved. And he loves. And the peace of God then is completely possible. And what can seem so impossible in the moment This is why the psalmist will say things like, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge, he says. It's it's good to be near God. And the refuge is the place I'm protected. He's at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. He's nearby. And so it's gonna be okay going to be okay. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. He's saying rest, rest. Don't be dismayed. Why? Because Jesus our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Jesus came near to man. Near my God to thee, near my God to thee. 
and I know you, and I hear you, and I see you. You have stresses and problems, and you have legitimate troubles. We all have them together. But in the midst of the trials of life, we can rejoice in the Lord. We can give testimony and be a peaceful presence for others. We can be grateful to God because we know that the Lord is near us. And he is greater than any doubt or fear. He loves you. He understands you. He, he gets you. You are not alone. He's near. And in your suffering and in your turmoil, he is near. And you can be sure that there is a roundabout ahead of you again. One won't be done with the roundabouts apparently in this life. There's always another one ahead. Charlene was on her way to visit her mom and care for her mom and a long, long drive and she ended up with a, a gas tank that was half full and it was 9.30 at night and unexpectedly, of course, up in places where there's no cell phone towers and there's no gas stations. And so she could feel the anxiety increasing. It, it said uh, 271 kilometers to get to where she was going and the gas tank said 275 kilometers left. <laughs> and so every, every hill, every curve, she's thinking, I'm using more gas than they know, you know. And, and uh, anxiety was building in the start, you know, the, the signs saying, watch for deer. She started praying that God would put to bed all the deer and your mind starts playing tricks in the dark and you start thinking, I'm gonna end up on the side of the road and some serial killer is gonna come and they'll never find me. And then the engine light came on, the check engine light. Well, she made it on fumes. And then coming back, the car wouldn't start to even leave the driveway. There's always another roundabout and life has many, many things to be anxious about, it would seem. And we find we're going round and round and round. And our anxiety's increasing and it's getting worse and the flashing lights are pursuing. And when that happens to you, as surely it will, if it's not even today, when this happens to you, this is an opportunity now for all of us. It's an opportunity 
for renewal. It's an opportunity for revival. It's an opportunity to remember a critical truth of our faith, and that is that there is a way off the roundabout. There is a shepherd who will lead us off and will grant us peace, not anxiety. Because there is a Savior who is near. Would you pray with me? Some of you are, are today just filled with much, many things. And life is hard, and you're worried. And if not today, probably tomorrow. Heavenly Father, cause us to remember in the midst of life that your son is near to us so that we can be free from this crippling anxiety and that we can enjoy peace so that we can rejoice in you that we can testify of you and have that peaceful presence for other people. And that we can pray even with gratitude. Oh Lord, let us experience that calming, healing presence of the Lord Jesus. That he is here. That he is with us that he sees us and he knows us and he's working in ways that we don't even understand. That we can have peace in a way that surpasses all understanding. Minister to those who especially this morning are struggling. May they be encouraged today and may they know peace today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.